What's going on, everybody? Welcome in. OUA show, recap show. We are back. Playoff football was had over the weekend. It was a great weekend. Man, some teams are out. Including my team. I know you're, you're Ottawa GGs. Gonna say it. You won the bet. You won the bet. Uh, no, they took down Toronto. Uh, we had a lot of close games, though. Uh, some big defensive games from certain teams, which we will get to. Uh, but let's start in the provincial capital where our two Allen Lauders faced off for the second time this year. Yeah, and this game was all J.P. Simikinda. He had a great day on the ground, 124 yards and a touchdown. And this is the one thing that we hit on. This is the one thing that we said, you know, Toronto was really going to need to focus in on because Ottawa does have one of the best backs in the OUA. And if they don't lock him up, he will do damage. And hey, 124 and a score. And it felt early on that really JP couldn't stop. He was averaging like eight yards a carry for a big chunk of the first half. Um, but Ottawa didn't want to just keep giving him the ball because Toronto did have their moments where they would stop him at the line or stop him for a loss. But then the next time they'd hand the ball off, it'd be nine yards, 10 yards and off we go. So uh, for JP, like he had a really solid day, but uh, the Ottawa defense is uh what I what I was really surprised by. They had some key plays. Uh, Max Charbonneau, uh, Seguino had another pick six, I mean, to seal the game late. And Clay had 270 yards and two touchdowns, but the two picks really cost him in the end. Yeah, especially the one at the end of the game, right? I mean, you're driving, and then all of a sudden you need to score desperately here at the end of the game. And, you know, he comes out, kind of reads the play well, ices the game on a pick six, and... That was the story. It was the interceptions, right? Yeah, and I mean, Toronto did add a late Lovegrove touchdown to pull the game a bit closer in the end. But uh, once that pick six happened, you could kind of feel the air just go right out of the stadium and uh, really shot the team in the arm. But uh, we will take moral victories because uh, this has been the first time in the century, really, that Toronto has made the playoffs level and hosted a game. So uh, for the program that has been down and climbing and fighting to get back this is uh it's not a a win uh but it's a good start i think for them uh and for ottawa i mean new head coach comes in slow start offensively but they seem to be getting some traction on the offensive side of the ball mainly when they get down into the red zone yeah good to see ottawa picking up a playoff win over a tough team i mean that was a close game the first time around at the start of the season Toronto came out on top in that one. And now, you know, Ottawa at the end of the season, when it matters in the playoffs, they pick up the win, but they're going to have a tough week ahead of them coming up against Queens. Yeah, so let's head to the number one seed in the East, the Queens Gales against the Carlton Ravens, who had teased that Tanner DeYoung would be starting. He was on the depth chart. They posted some Instagram photos of him. Got to the stadium, Tanner Young was not in uniform, and as a result, the Carlton offense, yikes. They had one drive where Khalid Johnson caught a 40-yard ball uh, after almost dropping it, and then Gloden Mullally caught a screen pass, did the rest for a 19-yard score. Uh, but other than that, it was not real pretty. They got a Mitch Raper score at the end for his final game as a Carlton Ravens. So that was great to see, but... Uh, this Carlton offense without Tanner really struggled. I mean, there was moments where 
it looked like they almost didn't want to open up their offense too much. Uh, and then they fell behind like, Oh, well now we have to, this isn't great. Um, but I, I think we would have gotten a different game if Tanner was in. I don't know if the result would have changed, but it would have definitely been closer. Uh, I was almost right though on Queens. Almost, almost. James Keenan started the game looking pretty hot. He was ripping the ball around, but then, you know, they get up and who does the ball go to? Where does the game run through? Who does the Gales offense run through? That it wasn't dude, even, it wasn't that even that he was dude. ripping the ball. They, I don't think Rashid Tucker touched the ball on the first drive. Um, they had a 50 yard run from James Keenan. They got down to the goal line and all of a sudden the truck package comes in and Connor Burton saw the, the old, 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 oldest of old for veterans uh, in the OUA comes on, scores a touchdown. Uh, but then they kind of realize like, hey, this game, you know, James Keenan, we don't really need to do too much today. He finished nine for 13 on the day and the touchdown. Like eight, any of their passes, like they didn't really stretch the ball downfield. Uh, a lot of their passes were short. Uh, Sebastian Hansen caught a couple drags. Uh but like for James Keenan, I was so close to them being right on the game plan, just letting him fly. Uh, but Rashid Tucker, what a day. It was a big day for him. And, you know, I mean, going back to the Keenan thing, he was nine for 13. But that's what we said in some of our previews. We said that usually he's going to do what you need him to do. He doesn't get a lot of opportunity to throw the ball, but he completes it. He's efficient with it. But yeah, let's go to Rashid Tucker because another game where he's over hundred and has a score. Like he just seems to do this week in week out. I don't know what to say about him at this point. I just don't. Uh, well, let's give the full stat line here. 170 and two on the ground, one for 13 and one through the air. Uh, this was also done in three quarters because he did not play in the fourth quarter. They gave it to Burke Derbyshire, who also tallied 98 yards on the ground on the day. Uh, but for Rashid Tucker, uh, he got, also got vultured twice, uh, their first two drives. Uh, so they got down to the goal line. Rashid thought he was going to get the ball. They put in the truck package. He comes out. They score. Next, next drive, he has like a 40-something yard run, takes him all the way down to the goal line. They take him off. Someone else comes on. They score a touchdown. Uh, I, was, I tweeted out like, oh, the vultures must be circling Richardson today because – this is not pretty for Rashid. He's getting no love in the red zone. Uh, then he quickly followed it up with three straight touchdowns. So uh, they got him back. <laughs> yeah, could have had five. Could have had five on the day. But nonetheless, Queens is moving on. So let's go to the third game here on the weekend. The Guelph Griffins taking on the Laurier Golden Hawks. Laurier wearing the yellows in this one. A good day for Guelph nonetheless. Coming out on top 31-18. to 18. Hey, Sean Law had a day in this one too. 261 through the air, three touchdowns, finding weapons all over the field. Yeah, Clark Barnes, Keandre Smith, and Keegan Dix, they combined for those three scores. They also all had over 70 yards. I think they're all up over six completions as well. Uh, they are a scary wide receiver core. I mean, all three of them have freakish speed. You know they can touch the ball from anywhere on the field and it can be a score. Uh, Keegan Dix is just a freshman too. That's the scary thing with him. But uh, Clark Barnes, Keandre Smith, we've seen them all year, but now Keegan Dix looks to be back from injury right at the perfect time as they get to head out to face off against a team they've already beaten this year. But uh, let's talk about Laurier for a bit. 
Quinton Scott was there really one bright spot. I know Ante Gwoven was up over 100 yards receiving, but for Quinton Scott, 27 carries, 167 and two touchdowns. They were in this game for quite a while. Guelph did not score their final 14 points until the fourth quarter, but Laurier just hung around through the second, third, and a bit into the fourth as well. Yeah, and, you know, this is kind of one of the the tropes of, of a Laurier team, right? They always, always seem to have these backs that are just workhorse backs, and they are good on the ground. They're a good defensive team. But one of the things that, again, that I'm going to go back to what we said last week was fourth quarter. It's been a Laurier thing this year to kind of beat teams or play with teams or be defensively outplaying teams into the fourth quarter, and then they just need to hang on. And it's tough to do that when you're forcing your defense to be on the field as much as Laurier's defense has had to be on the field this season. But again, another another week where they're snake bitten. This time it happens to come in the playoffs. Guelph just besting them at the end of the game, kind of when it matters most. Guelph will be moving on. And for Guelph, I mean, for Laurier as well, I don't want to say this, but it's, I have to be honest with all of our listeners, all of our viewers, the yellow jerseys makes me want you to lose. I'm sorry. It, it does. The yellow jerseys is, I saw, I think Nate Hobbs tweeted out too. Ruthless. Laurier wearing the yellows. Yep. Almost deserved to lose for that one. They just don't look good. They just don't. Like, it's one thing if you have, like, a royal yellow with, like, black or navy or something. But to wear – it's almost like a mustard yellow, and then it like, Dijon mustard, and then you put the purple pants with it. It just doesn't – not a good mix for the Golden Hawks. Uh, I really don't like those jerseys. I, <laughs> I never have. I never have. Um, should we, like – should we call in Marsh? Do we need to get the couch out for you so you can kind of lay down and work that out or what? Uh, I've got my chair here. It does kick back. I can get my foot rest out and we can kind of do like a mini mini therapy session here about jersey selections in the playoffs if we want. Uh, no, we will save that for a potentially different show uh, later this week or after the season's over because we have one more game to get to. That is Western against Waterloo. We saw this team match these teams match up a couple weeks ago and it was not pretty for the black and gold. This time, it was that defense for Western that made all the difference late in the game. Yeah, it certainly was. Taking the ball away and forcing turnovers. Three forced fumbles, two INTs in this game, and three sacks. So coming up huge. But the one thing that I kind of want to highlight here with Western is their ground game. I know we've been doing it all year, but this isn't a game that I want to highlight their ground game for, for having an absolutely absurd stat line. It's for getting it done with limited yardage and limited carries because both Keon Edwards and Trey Humes were held under 100 yards but still managed to find the end zone and be efficient with their carries. They were under 100 yards but still put up 60, 70 yards each and two scores. So when your backs are still combining for still over 150 yards and finding the end zone, uh, you don't need them to go off for 300 yards every single game. And we talk about this ground game, but we never mention – the fullback for Western. But we're talking about him today because Anthony Valvano, two touchdowns on the day. He finally got some love after grinding all year in that run game. Uh, they rewarded him big time. But Western, late ga- until the late second quarter, this game was quite close. I was actually watching kind of like, 
is Waterloo sneaking something here? And then mid-second quarter, Western just kind of flipped the switch, 28 unanswered points, closed the game, 51 points. I think it's the second time they hit over 50 on Waterloo's defense this year. Uh, So Western is in cruise control. They are winning different ways now instead of just the same way we saw early in the year. And that's going to set up quite the matchup in the OUA semifinals, the conference finals, or I guess the division finals, because we do have other conferences across the country. But that means we're going to get Ottawa traveling to Queens for the second time this year and Western against Guelph. But this time it's in London in front of that home field advantage at TD Waterhouse Stadium. So we will certainly be previewing those games coming up on Thursday, Friday. You'll be able to catch that. Lots of OUA football left to be played. Lots of OUA football left to be watched. And you can catch it on OUA.tv. You can sign up for free. Watch all of the playoff games and the Yates Cup. And it doesn't stop there. You can watch all OUA sports on OUA.tv as well. So if you're a volleyball fan, you can get it there. If you're a basketball fan, whatever you might want to watch, it doesn't stop at football. So check that out. OUA.tv. And for all the schedules, stats, and more, go to checkoutoua.ca, go to the football tab, and you'll find it all there. But for this week and for now, at Connor R. O'Neill, at Wade Zank, for CF Perspective, enjoy your week.